It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. Hey, thanks for joining in news and views where today we're going to be talking a bit about the state of the world. What's really going on? We live in the safest, I'll even say, times in all of human history. We're not getting eaten by dinosaurs. That's always a plus. We aren't going to die like King Tut. Didn't they say he died of an abscessed tooth? Uh, we live in safety. Right now, the number of children, for example, killed by preventable accidents declines every year in every nation, every Western nation, and has between 1980 and 2010. Safety. Prosperity. That's what's afforded our society and freedom. But we are more unhappy, angry, suicidal, depressed, and, well, given to tantrums if you look at what's happening in the news all around us. What is really going on? There are multiple factors, and we're going to take it on today with a view from Jerusalem. And now, a view from Jerusalem with Rabbi Adlerstein. Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein, our beloved rabbi, with a view from Jerusalem. Rabbi, it's good to have you with us. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Michelle. And looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, today, maybe it's time when we look at the news and we see, yeah, we really are given to tantrums. What is that about? When we disagree with people, we see people visibly shaking and crying and this high-pitched screaming, I'm going to yell louder and louder. We see rioting. And if we're not safe, you're not safe. It seems like our Western society is throwing a tantrum. And I think it's time that we get a big whooping on the behind. <laughs> And just because I don't think woke is working for us. It's time to wake up. And I'm wondering what is really going on and what are some of these contributing factors that we can really look at and say, ah, I see. I'm, I'm working on the answers to all of those. And when I find them, I'm going to announce myself as the emperor of the world. And <laughs> in, the, in the meantime, we're probably going to have to content ourselves to a lot of conjecture, except for one thing which I hope we don't have to save for last. And that is whatever we say on this program, we don't rehearse and we have no idea what we're going to say to each other beforehand. I, I think and I hope that the one thing that we can agree upon before we start is that mankind has tried just so many solutions to the problem of being, to what existence is like for ourselves, for our communities, for the world, that maybe one of the messages is that Man is incapable of self-redemption, and that is what's behind the idea of a Messiah. And not, a, not some magic guy who's just going to sprinkle the world with, with peace dust, and everybody's going to look and say, oh, wow, golly gee, and sing Kumbaya together. But that there are some real answers coming from God. And take that view, that real answers come from God, then you start to realize that the incomplete answers till Messiah comes, are there from God's past communications that there's so much to mine in our tradition. I mean, our collective tradition, despite our theological differences of acknowledging a God who loves, a God who cares, a God who makes demands of us, 
God who rewards, a God who punishes, and a God who communicates. So that's the starting point. Is that okay, Michelle? It's the starting point. It's the ending part. It's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, and everything in between. But as we build that case to get people who are watching, listening, or reading to really think about the importance of that, I would say the problems that we have in our society, it is no coincidence that fewer Americans than ever believe in God compared with recent years. Some are clinging to their faith more than others. And that's according to a new survey, a new Gallup survey, Gallup Values and Belief Poll. They found 81% of U.S. adults believe in God, but it's a new low after slipping 6% since 2017. Those who do have our their faith is becoming more and more fervent. It's interesting though that lack that absence of God is in my opinion truly felt in every news story that you can peruse through. And it should not come as a surprise to us at all. I'm often surprised by our surprise if you <laughs> God is some as a God who's not arbitrary, who doesn't just say, hey, I got a few commandments to try out on you guys. Hey, here's 10. Let's see how let's see how those work for you. But that that everything is measured. God created us in a particular way, knowing what would what we needed to achieve happiness. So that when you cut yourself off from that view, there is going to be unhappy. There is going to be unhappiness. And before we, we get accused of doing theology on the air, we don't want to do that on public airtime, even though we really do want to. But we can look at we can look at specifics. There's an article. I'm not sure if we're going to have time to discuss it, but I'd recommend it in what month was it? The May, May issue of Atlantic by Jonathan Haidt, who's, you know, is a household name with a lot of people. He's one of America's leading social psychologists. Uh, and uh, he talks about how the last 10 years have made Americans a lot stupider than ever before. And he tries to specific, specific uh, reasons which are worthwhile reflecting. Maybe we'll, we'll still have time to get to that article. But in general, let's look at what's happened at Western civilization since the time of Isaac Newton. When, ironically, Isaac Newton wrote more about religion and he wrote about mathematics and physics. He's a deeply religious man. But Newton is, he's not the guy who invented the fig, by the way. I'm talking about <laughs> the scientist who did such a good job of showing how the physics of the universe worked, that people became drunk with this power. We can explain everything! It's just a matter of time. Which then turned into... We, the educated, have answers. We can explain everything. And religion is for the weak. The people who don't know, understand anything and say, well, it must have been God who did it. Duh. And we've allowed ourselves to be outmaneuvered because at times we haven't resisted that, that notion carefully enough. But one of the realities of life, skipping a few hundred years, is that we... Some of us have come to the realization, it's one of the most healthy things that people can realize, is that science and religion often are two separate realms. That science can explain how things work, 
but they can never explain why. And man wants to know why. I can't tell you whether this is just some freak of evolution. I don't believe it to be. I think that's the way God created us. That we want, that we have, a, we have this penchant. We want to find meaning. We, it, we see ourselves, especially in modern society, aware of how small we are as individuals, how modern society has depersonalized everything in our lives. We're just another number and we're treated that way. We used to have a number of things working in our favor. First of all, we were so busy trying to get away from those dinosaurs and even the more modern dinosaurs. We didn't have time to think about, how do you spell anxiety? Who had time to be anxious? Yeah, you had to worry about putting food on the table and, and keeping the Cossacks away. And we, that's not the case. The blessings of modernity is we don't have to worry about things like that. But then we start thinking like, who am I really? And we want causes. And one of the reasons why America is so involved in this pitched battle is not because people are evil. It's because at their core, people are good and that people need to have issues that they can cling to to make themselves feel meaningful. We in the religious community, Michelle, don't have to find issues to make us feel meaningful. We, are, we know we're meaningful because God created each and every one of us for a purpose. And that whatever we've accomplished, that is part of God's plan of what we're supposed to bring to the world. So we can always take meaning in that. But for people who don't have, finding attachment to some cause is life itself. Because when you have all the what's, you want to know why. And even people who say that the ultimate freedom is knowing that there is no why, they don't seem to be very happy people. No, they, they may do be. not. I don't take it away from them if they are. Won't work for me, won't work for my kids, won't work for anybody else I know. So for the rest of us, you're a thousand percent right. The decline in religion, and we can talk about reasons why that's happened, mm has left people without a sense of meaning and purpose and value to their individual lives. So that with the growth of, of things like these little devices we carry around, the biggest anxiety for people is that since I'm living in the moment, did I just lose a moment? Was there something I was supposed to click on that I deserved to have and that I lost? <laughs> and that's an amazing source of anxiety. Yes. Not to mention that this little device, the wealth of human knowledge I have access to in this device and I'm busy looking at at kitty memes or something and we have knowledge but knowledge without wisdom is foolishness the bible says that a fool says in his heart there is no god because we're born with this god-shaped hole inside of us. We have a, a, a God need, and it just makes sense. We see the programming, we see through science that it's undeniable that there's some kind of design and programming more advanced than any of our human endeavors. Yet, we retreat and are retreating from the idea of God. And there's no place that we're seeing it more than on college campuses. But that is running in direct parallel with this idea that I feel unsafe. Cornell University rabbi removed a bust of Abraham Lincoln 
because it made one student, one student complained. One student felt unsafe with Abraham Lincoln staring at him as he walked into the library. I don't know if this student, speaking of knowledge, really has a knowledge of who Abraham Lincoln is and what he's done. He just sees this white guy who was a founder and it's white privilege and I feel unsafe, that kind of a thing. But that lack of knowledge and that snowflake, oh my gosh, I'm going to be injured mentality is invasive. 79% of undergraduates think that students demand for safety. And safety doesn't mean my my dorm room is not going to succumb to an earthquake. Safety means things that are said that make me feel traumatized because I don't agree. We need to feel safe on campus. 79% think that should be the number one most important factor. Students' need for safety should always be met regardless. What is that saying about the hope for the future? If that's where we're at in colleges, I think it's a contributor to our biggest problems. No question about it. And we have to ask ourselves, what did we do to produce a generation of people who feel the need to be so coddled? I don't have any of the answers to that other than the observation that the people who feel that they are threatened and are not safe by encountering anything that even mildly challenges some of their beliefs have to be terribly narcissistic. And That, I think, is an avenue worthwhile exploring. There are so many things in society that make us narcissistic. And it's easy to point at one particular politician and say, he's a narcissist, and not realize how many of us are narcissists in making demands, in expecting what the world will give us, and expecting what the campus experience is going to be like, and expecting other people to think exactly the way we do. Otherwise, they find it threatening. I think we should take a lot of these students and have them do a semester on the front lines between Russia and Ukraine and then come back and reflect on uh, on, on the notion of what safety is. That's not going to happen. Where is this going to lead Western society? I don't know. I remember growing up with Abby Hoffman in the Vietnam era being a household name. And then, sure enough, it didn't take that many years, but then that the time after the, his heyday on campus, the next picture you saw of Abby Hoffman was in a business suit as he transitioned to the real world out there. And it does happen with a lot of people. It's happened in the past. People sow their wild oats before, and then they get down to reality when reality mugs them. But I don't think that the narcissism is going to change. So maybe the difference. So that's a real problem. I I, I would say it's one of the reasons why the Israeli startup economy has been so successful. Uh, I'd very much prefer a world and an Israel in which we did not have to send 18 year olds to the army for three years where they have to worry about real safety. But three years of putting your life on the line for an idea of having to work cooperatively with other people is just completely transformational. That is well put, very well put. 
learning that selflessness, the narcissism in our society and our placating to it, for example, on, on college campuses, makes it easy to understand if I want to do whatever I want to do and I don't want consequences. And if it means killing my own offspring to be able to do what I want to do, that's a tantrum. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. We don't want to live selfless. We don't want to live with consequences. We don't want to be told, no, you cannot. No, you should not. And if you do, there are consequences. We don't want that. That's the ultimate in narcissism, that I'm all that matters. And if any of our listeners think that maybe we're working in cahoots and getting paid by the Templeton Foundation or something like that to advance religion on the unsuspecting, I will point out that I think it was Jane's Revenge uh, just yesterday or the day before who talked about ensuring that this is going to be a summer of rage against the Supreme Court decision. And what will happen in a summer of rage? They're going to attack religious institutions. Yeah. And so that does say something. And when you think of this summer of rage and and as we've talked about, our college campuses placating to fragility and teaching wokeness instead of real education, we have become inanely stupid. I'm sorry to say it's as though we are de-evolving. You can see people and ask people, stop people on the street and say, you'll hear these. Uh, you'll even see these TikTok videos. Who's the vice president of the United States? Who did we declare? Who did the U.S. declare independence from? America? What was the who fought in the Civil War? South America, and North America? People are ignorant and as such, a ruling with, with the Roe v. Wade comes down, and many people have no idea what it really means. Or even the beauty of the liberty of saying, look, if there isn't a right that's granted to you by the Constitution of the United States, a court can't just all of a sudden create a right then or create a law because in doing so they can become tyrannical it's not in the court's hands it's in the people's hands we get to elect people and they get to make we get to make those laws we don't understand that there isn't a right to kill in the constitution it's just not there but we're woefully ignorant we see this with the with a, an, another issue from the supreme court rabbi where Coach Joe, in my corner of the woods, who I've met, was praying at, at Bremerton High School and would go after the game, pray silently on, on, in the middle of the field. Just something that he saw in a movie and he thought, I just want to do this. Maybe it's a show of his faith, silently, fine. And now people, because the Supreme Court said, yeah, it's his own time. It's a freedom of expression. He's not doing it in the classroom. He's not compelling anyone else to join him. You should be able to do this. But these same people, if you say, well, if you don't want him praying, maybe, and you think it's influence, shouldn't Mrs. Jones take off her Habib 
because that's isn't that unduly influencing? We don't surrender our rights, and the government does not grant our rights. They recognize our rights, and they protect our rights. I do believe that abortion, for example, is our civil rights issue of the age, but that may be for another conversation. In this conversation, we are talking about some of the contributors that have brought us to this unhappy state, this summer of rage, this discontent, and whether it's college campuses, social media, I think you're right in stating that article. Our, our people have become dumber, and our people have believed in God less. There seems to be a correlation, and we're seeing it in many instances. And part of the problem, a wrinkle in this, is that there are millions of Americans, Michelle, who, of course, would applaud every phrase that you just uttered and say, yeah, it's also true, but would be powerless to try to convince their children to have a more meaningful relationship with God. And part of that is that we are spoiled. That's contributed to our narcissism. But part of it, if you want to take it just a little bit deeper, is that it's not just that God tells us there's things that are right and wrong. It's that human beings are designed to live within boundaries. And so much of modern society, for at least 100 years, has preached the idea that autonomy, even before the Supreme Court found it, also in the penumbra of the Constitution, autonomy is the, is the greatest thing out there, that I should be free to do whatever I want, that limitations per se are limiting, which sounds like, sounds right, but it isn't. Any parent of, or most parents of teenagers will tell you that as much as teenagers, they'll tell you then that they don't want these rules, they hate all rules, they hate being told. But if you have teens that are given complete autonomy and there are no, ex- no rules, they, they do not do well. People are meant to live with rules. Thankfully, we have a God who doesn't make up arbitrary rules, but all those rules make sense whether we can understand them or not. But to live without rules is not really freedom. It's license that produces anxiety because all you can then live for is the pleasure of the moment and always look over your shoulder, see if you've maxed out on it. So that doesn't help us. No, and in that... Set the, how do we set the clock back a little bit? That's a good question because we've set ourselves up for failure. We look at social media, which used to be a, a great idea in getting information that you otherwise would never have gleaned before. But as we become more fragile we become disturbed by things that we don't like and we're fed through algorithms, things that we do. And then we can cancel people who have differing opinions because I don't like it. It makes me mad and upset. And instead of engaging in thoughtful debate and learning the art of logic and debate, hashing things out, listening and learning we cancel and we flee to our little safe spaces. So if we continue this, yeah, I don't see an out, but the out 
for our society cannot be, in my opinion, I'll see what you think about this, Rabbi, this far-reaching, okay, this is what we are going to do now, because there's not an institution that can speak for we. Even the churches have been hijacked uh, Christian churches, there's a, this a progressive Christian, which is the most contradictory term I have ever heard, that it's a wishy-washy, watered-down, a biblical worldview that puts God in my image and how I feel rather than vice versa. So I don't think that there is an institution that can say, this is what we need to do. That was part of the, the wisdom of the framers of the Constitution, recognizing that the establishment of any religion was not going to do wonderful things for the, for the American people, and that people had to have the freedom to choose, including making choices that weren't popular with your particular church group. When somebody wanted to oh, start a Calvinist church rather than a Lutheran one, um, that wasn't always tolerated in, in Europe. So what that meant, that separation of a church and state, which was done for good reason, meant that American society, at least governmental American society, meant that it made no, made no demands on people. There, we have wonderfully detailed rules about what happens if you do something wrong and what the penalties are and how you're going to be tried and convicted but we don't have any affirmative obligations. We don't tell people that they're obligated to give this amount of money to charity or to spend this amount of time or to take classes on being a better spouse or a better parent. We don't make any such demands. Now it's good that the government does, doesn't make those demands. It's not so good when you don't have the power of religion to make those demands at least to those people who subscribe to those religions. And what has happened is with the weakening of religion, the model of lack of restriction and lack of boundaries has just been allowed to just take itself to the logical end, destructive end, logical the end. logical end. And we remember that if you look at history, nobody ever really wants to look at history because they always feel that the time is going to be different. And there's some truth to that. You can't extrapolate all the time. But we do have record of civilizations falling, not because of, of a military takeover, but because of a lack of will when society was just so divided against itself. And that's ultimately how Rome fell. Rome could have beaten back the invasion of the, the infidels, but they lost their will. And that, that is scary. When you look at the headlines today, most of us try not to think in those terms. But when we see the way Russia has acted in the last couple of months and recognize that we've looked at the face of unvarnished evil and will to power, to go back to one of my least favorite people, Nietzsche, uh, the, uh, you stop to wonder if you really came to a showdown between Russian will and our will, what would happen? Would we fold the deck of cards? Uh, people divided a bit. We try not to think of that. Yeah. We've so emasculated our military, our foreign policy, uh, shattered it to think. It's one of the reasons that I am proud of Israel. 
I'm not one of these mooses who will tell you that Israel, everything is great, especially living here. And you see the problem in it. In about two hours from now, we're losing another government that'll be replaced by the shortest government in Israeli history because they will disappear on October 1st at the next election. And crazy things going on here and lots of people doing lots of things that are wrong. But there still is a sense of resolve that we know who we are. We're not going to become barbarians and fight on the level of our enemy, but we do know that we're not going to, we're not going to allow other people. With the help of God, we're not going to allow people to walk all over us for lack of resolve. The resolve is still here. Those who don't have resolve, they move on and settle in Tarzana. But the, the people who are here, with all the infighting that goes on, it's a country of resolve. And there could be that resolve in other places in the world. And it's so sad for me who saw that kind of resolve. I grew up in the generation after World War II and the fresh on that victory of the greatest generation. It was resolved. It was resolved that we were going to remain a democracy. There was a resolve in most of the country that we were going to solve some of our social evils. And that was part of the genius of Martin Luther King recognized that far more could be accomplished by getting to the conscience of the American people and that far more people would, would accept the truth and the justice of what he was preaching than those who would reject it. And it worked. We're not out of the woods by any chance, but it was a remarkable change in America. Who can think of such social revolution today? We just don't have enough that binds us together. Israel still does for all of the nonsense. Well, in fact, it's not a model society and we're in an existential battle with Iran, who we discovered last week have, have planes ready and armed to bomb us the smithereens. Maybe because of that, we have the resolve. Well, there you go. And that might be, it might be because of that. We, as I opened the show today, I said we live in a time of unprecedented peace, though there's wars, rumors of wars, there's issues and natural disasters that happen every day and we can't see it in the news. Truly, however, there has never been a time where more people have been safe from disease, from famine. Even with a pandemic, we have been safer than any time in history. And yet we feel unsafe. We feel anxious. And the one thing that does seem to bind us together right now is how we feel. But feelings, the Bible says that the, our heart is deceptive above all else. So as we're feeling, you can feel one way, I feel another. There's no ultimate authority of what our feelings are and what they should be and what is correct. Without God, there really is no right or wrong. It's what's right for you, what's right for me. And that's where we're at right now in an era of anything goes. So maybe the answer really is is to take a step back for ourselves and our family and realize that we have a choice to make. That as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I think I've mentioned this book on the, on the air before, Rod Dreher's book. Found about five to six years ago, called the Benedict Option. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, I, I won't. I won't be a spoiler. <laughs> really, the end is written on the front page. 
which is that there are times in history when Christians may have to revise the ultimate mission statement, which has been for a couple of thousand years of spreading the good news and spreading the gospel. And he argued that there are times in history where the environment just gets so bad and so toxic that in order to survive religiously, spiritually, you really have to work on your own community first. And there has to be a certain amount of isolation. But even more important than the isolation is is the recognition that we are in a different mode than usual. It's not usual times as if there are ever such a thing as usual times, but it's one that calls for a certain amount of cultural isolation from what's going on out there. Even though we isn't this censorship and restriction and we don't like it, but like it tastes good and it sounds like fun and it can't be too bad, but it, but it can be. You have to look at things much more carefully to see is this going to get me closer to where I want to be or further away? Generally, any decision you make in life can be addressed by that question. Is this going to bring me closer to God or further away? Very few things ah, will leave you in the middle. I love that, that the simplicity of that, Rabbi. Uh, that's a good marker for what decisions shall I make? Is it going to bring me closer to God? Is it going to bring me farther away? We have a fine balance in our society. Free speech means RuPaul's book, children's book on, on transgenderism or on cross-dressing. You haven't read it. It was just recently removed from the children's section of a library, and people are uh, so upset about it. But what it's saying is no one's saying burn the book. They're saying as a family or as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Is it going to bring me closer to God? You have the right to free speech. I have a right to say, okay, that's great. I heard enough. And now this is where I stand. That balance is important. And it's much like, in my opinion, and this will be my final question. um, It's, in my opinion, like our walk with God, it isn't just a list of do's and don'ts, but a carefully guarded relationship where the Ten Commandments are fairly clear, but that simple question of does it bring me closer to God? Sometimes it's not in black and white in the scripture. Should I move to this city? Should my daughter date this guy? That requires constant interaction with God through his scripture, through scripture reading, through prayer. As our relationship with freedom is, so is our relationship with God. It requires work. And you never know whether you really made the right decision (laughs) and what's around the bend. And as much as we find so much there and so much guidance in Scripture, but part of the message is exactly what you said. Ten Commandments is only the starting point. It's the floor, not the ceiling. Uh And very few people want to enter in the basement and stay there forever. We're trained by the way God made us to want to make it past the roof. And there's no clear script for that. That's the scary thing about religion. There's so many people, certainly the critics of religion say religion is for people who don't have the moxie to make decisions. And they're fundamentalists who think that they can just find the easy answers in the Bible. Ironically, the true fundamentalist or what they think is a fundamentalist of somebody who takes the Bible very seriously is going to come to the conclusion that you just did, Michelle. 
that 99% of the decisions that are important in creating a bond with God, to getting closer to God, to become more God-like, are decisions we have to make for ourselves. Put. And I'm hoping, and now this isn't in the Bible, but a very wise person said to me once, I'm confident that if I am seeking after God, I have confidence that his ability to make things right is greater than my ability to screw things up. So that's what I'm going to rest on. <laughs> Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein is the Director of Interfaith Affairs at the Simon Wiesenthal Center. We have links to some of Rabbi's writings and to the Simon Wiesenthal Center for more information. He's a frequent flyer here on My Michelle Live and has been a blessing in my life uh, for years now. And I cannot thank you enough for making time for us today. I think in this time of history, these conversations are so gloriously important for us to tune in and tune in deeper to that God story than we may even realize. So I do thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Michelle. And as for you, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We appreciate it. More news and views at mymichellelive.com.